Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead. I am your host for this week, Lynn Hafer, joined by our good friend, freelance writer Rowan Kaiser. Hello. And our special guest for this week, we have Kotaku's Luke Plunkett. Hey, everybody. And uh, 3MA debut uh, Twitch streamer Casey Explosion. Hello there. And uh, do you want to introduce yourself a little bit to our uh, our listeners uh, to start, since this is your first time on the show? Uh, sure. I'm Casey. I play games. I tell terrible puns. And do a lot of um a lot of sort of indie and mid-tier kind of games on Twitch. And yeah. And quite 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 fond of a number of turn-based strategy games as well, so Yeah, I would uh I would highly recommend uh checking out her stuff if you are a 3MA listener, because I think a lot of the games you play are things that our our listeners would get into in terms of niche strategy stuff. So um but today we're here to talk about Warhammer 40,000 Chaos Gate Demon Hunters because every Warhammer game needs to have like at least 10 syllables. Um, that's that's in the marketing license with. Uh, with uh, so, so this is a sequel to the game Commission. from like 1998, right? <laughs> Was there another Chaos Gate game? Yeah, I had no yes. idea about this till somebody told me. They were like, well, I was making fun of how close it is to XCOM, which I'm sure we'll get into later. And, and a reader <laughs> sort of reached out to me and said, you know, this is actually a sequel to something, something. I'm like, man, I can't remember Warhammer games from 1998 <laughs> that have names that are as I'll- impenetrable as this one. Like, come on. I think that was just Warhammer Chaos Gate, but like, I don't. It's been I mean, 24 it, years for a, for a t- sequel to a mid-tier Warhammer game and like 600 Warhammer games in between. Like, yeah, is this, yeah. I, I don't even know if this is actually a sequel or they just bought the branding or whatever. It's, I you know, this is... So this yeah. is, I guess, one of the first things to talk about is, as Luke has written about, there are 600 Warhammer games. Most yes. of them are somewhere between okay and pretty good. This is the one that you should pay attention to. Yeah, for a while I was reviewing almost all of them because I guess I was just on the call sheet for Warhammer. Uh, There was a period there where I was just sick of Warhammer and didn't ever want to hear Warhammer again because there were so many Warhammer games. All right, this is the one that you should pay attention to, I think, is is the point here. That, like, yes, all of them are. There's a lot of all of them, and this one is... A step above, well, everything except for Total Warhammer, probably. But uh, that—that's—that's that's what I—I I am planting as my take is that this one, this one is the one that like should break out of that. Oh my God, there's too much uh, boundary. If if I may plant plant a little plant a little flag of my own here, Warhammer 40k Mechanicus from 2019. Is one of the top tier. And I, I have, I have I generally would, heard that one as well. I haven't ever gotten to it, even though I'm pretty sure I would like it. I would highly recommend it. And I think if you like, if you like what um, Chaos Gate is doing, you will appreciate what Mechanicus does mechanically. <laughs> I have heard better, that right? also. Yeah, I for some reason Mechanicus is one of the ones I didn't end up reviewing but i've heard good things from pretty much everybody i've talked to about it so 
Yeah. Um, the soundtrack is, is, is worth the price of entry alone. Fantastic. I, I need to find some time to get around to that. Um, I just went to the trailer and it said most unique strategy game, which is just <laughs> a really funny thing for a Warhammer game. Any Warhammer game, no matter what. Oh, this, yeah, this is way better graphics than I what it had in my memory, which was a thing I wanted to talk about with this one. For sure. Um, Luke, is this just XCOM with Space Marines? That's, yeah, that's it what is. I've... Yeah, it okay. is. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, it's XCOM with hit points and Space Marines. <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, it's XCOM with Space Marines and some much welcome quality of life stress level blood pressure improvements to the XCOM formula where they're needed most is probably the the more generous way of describing it. Yeah. And what uh what are those hit percentages you know, blood pressure hit and percentages, stuff? Yes. Hit percentages. <laughs> XCOM's great like frustrating failing, you know, the classic ninety five percent um hit chance doesn't come off tragedy. Um this game just does away with them entirely. You just do less damage the further away you are. And it's like, I don't, I, I know the XCOM and, and other games do it as well. I know the shot probability thing is, is taking cues from realism and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I just, from a quality of life standpoint, I just really loved knowing that shots were hitting and doing damage in this and not just like completely whiffing and losing a turn. You know what is a really good game to check out if 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 the um percentage the 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 percentage chance to hit is is a stickling point for you, and you want a game where if your if your units can see a target they can hit it. Warhammer forty k Mechanicus. <laughs> We're just this is this is slowly going to be turned I into feel the like Mechanicus we'll be podcast. Into a podcast. This isn't actually. Yeah. A we're all just going to be playing Mechanicus yeah. by the end of this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I, I have meant to. Why not? Um, no, I think there's there's a big philosophical difference here, and it's part of the reason that I said hit points. But this is a game where you know, XCOM is where you're an army. Your guys are little army dudes, or they are like freedom fighters. They're just you know fragile humans. They're not genetically engineered monsters with the highest tech space armor that's in existence and the entire focus is uh shifted from oh my god these people are so fragile i can't ever have them step in the wrong place ever and turning it into a slower more attrition based fight in a way that's similar to three of my favorite battle tech and this is you know a hobby horse i have been on is that like XCOM's big problem is that like one bad piece of luck, you have a guy just get shot in the head and he's dead and your entire campaign is completely ruined. So you end up safe scumming all the time. Not so much of a problem here because everything is done in these increments, including as Luke says, you know, actually shooting somebody depends on how far they are away. So you only, you know, really want to go in when you know you can finish somebody off. And these things all add up to an experience where this is a tactical game where you're playing like basically a mech uh, with XCOM style things and with a little bit more personality than just a robot might have. And that makes it stand out a lot from XCOM, even though you will look at the perspective and look at the strategic layer and you will look at 
the interface and say, yes, this is XCOM, but the feel ends up being very different because it's actually going on attrition and not on luck or uh, focused fire immediately destroying things or all those all those things that XCOM has uh, kind of annoyed us at for like 10 years. So the one thing I would say is that in terms of what I would compare the game to, I would compare it more to Gears Tactics than that's an XCOM. It it looks it looks very it obviously takes a lot from XCOM, but the things that it does differently is what I would compare the most to Gears Tactics. So they right. had in the focus in that game was a lot. It was a lot more faster paced and it was a lot more aggressive. And you started with instead of in XCOM where you have two action points and your turn ends if you take a shot. That that doesn't happen in Gears Tactics. You have three action points. You can move, you can shoot, or you can take a different kind of action. And you can do that in any order. You can shoot and then move. So you can get duck your guys out, take a shot, get them back behind somewhere where they can't be seen. And in doing takedowns and things like that, certain actions can grant you more action points. So there is there is a focus on, on, on momentum and keeping that momentum going by keeping keeping doing actions that will that will reward you with more with more action points. And it's it's a much more aggressive style of game than XCOM. And I think that's where Warhammer Chaos Gate has taken most of its inspiration from. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good comparison, and also aesthetically, Gears of War and uh, Demon Hunters are using this, you know, big burly space marine type of type of thing. You know, the footsteps, the thudding against things, and having yeah. more action points works with that in harmony. It's, it's, it also, yeah, it also shares with Gears Tactics the concept that, like, if you're downed, you're not necessarily dead you can be downed a certain amount of times before you're actually dead i never actually had a, a night die for good in my chaos gate campaign i don't know if that was anything any of the rest of you actually saw happen i had I, one guy get down to one one resilience or whatever it's called i mean i'm sure we'll probably talk about it later but sometimes it felt <laughs> like after being wounded they were dead <laughs> <laughs> because it would yeah. take so long for them to come back. Um, yeah, but yeah, same. I never, I never had anybody. Um, I never had any, anybody die. Yeah, the, yeah the this is this is also a really interesting thing because, like, the healing times and so on. That this makes it a little bit closer to like a sports strategy game in the tactical management umbrella where you know you're, you're doing the football manager thing where one of your guys tears an acl and he's gone for three months but uh he will be back um there's, maybe there's a lot of extra to organs to injure for a space marine. yeah they have they <laughs> have like six acls it's a little weird <laughs> it's just... um, but yeah this is this is a thing that you know i have consistently talked about wanting that's one of the things that i love about darkest dungeon it's why i put a football manager under the same umbrella when we talk about the tactical management games is like the the wanting to like 
work with what wounds mean and uh, like slowly repair things and have to gamble on something that maybe isn't fully healed. Uh, these are these are all good little good little choices, and it feels like when Demon Hunters has them, it tends to be in a way that feels right. Um, the the difficulty balance a difficulty is kind of an over narrow word here, but just kind of the rhythms of the game all feel like they fit fit together in a way that. Uh, this is the game that it wants to be in a way that, uh, I don't know, a lot of the Warhammer games feel like they're just sort of thrown together with kind of neat rule sets, and I'm not actually certain that they all fit together. Um, Battle Sector is one that, like, I like a lot of the things that it's doing, and then it has these maps that take, like, 10 turns to traverse in a way that's just really exhausting. Uh, this one, it doesn't feel like there's... There's much like that. It has a lot of quirks, and I'm sure we'll get to some of the fun bugs we've found. But um, yeah, everything everything kind of connects in a way that uh, I, I'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, or I'll talk about it now. Let's talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say that so the healing times have been something that that I think has I've seen pretty widely criticized um, by both, you know, you know, just players and uh, and critics. Um, and. I think it kind of ties into what I feel like is a very weird front loading of difficulty in this game, uh, because, yeah. one, you know, once you have at least eight Marines, you kind of have enough of a, a roster depth that you can kind of deal with people being injured or like eventually you get to a point where it's like, OK, are they at a minus three or a minus six? If they're at a minus three, just send them out anyway, because it, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, So this is also very XCOM like in that there are a few things that once you need to once you learn them, you realize that you needed to know them the whole time. Um, and I did do a restart after, you know, the first time I went through that initial difficulty curve and was like, yeah, this could have gone a little better. There's also some randomness that I know you ran into that I think we should talk about where you had you had multiple times that you kind of got screwed over. But like um, stuff like which what build order to repair your ship with, because you start with a ship that's kind of busted up and. Right it just has like a menu with like nine different things on three different screens. And it's like, okay, what do I do here? How do I prioritize what I want to do? Well, actually getting the space Marine like plus 50% healing is a pretty essential thing. Uh, that's probably one of the first three that you should repair. And, you know, that's a thing that doesn't necessarily show up until maybe it's too late in, in a first time play session. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think also uh, each mission in the game has like one or two random things that it might it pulls out of its hat to kind of throw at you. And if you get a couple of the wrong ones or a couple of the harder ones in a row that you have, say, not saved your grenades for, uh, mm -hmm. then you can really get screwed over in a hurry. Yeah, it, I mean, like the my number one 
kind of bugbear with this game is that its favorite way to increase difficulty just seems to be throwing more and more and more enemies at you, which like isn't isn't as much of an issue once you have like, OK, I have like some upgraded grenade capacity or I have um, I think the the Purgator is like the class that could just like drop an AOE blast where they just shoot everything in, in like a, a spherical area or something. I think it depends on their weapon, but yeah, they also yeah. have some that can eventually hurt. I guess anyone who can use a side cannon. I happened to use my my purgators for that. Um, and uh yeah, like I the the early missions where even if even if you're going up against like pretty weak enemies, if there's like eight of them, and especially if your point of reference is XCOM, it can be really tough. <laughs> to like to deal with that with like starter dudes who like they only have like you know two grenades maybe each and uh the ranges like the ranged default cultist dudes can put like this suppressive fire on you from outside the range of your like starting ranged weapons so you can't even like you know do do like this lure them into your overwatch thing um because they outrange you um yeah, I think it's just it's very easy to just die horribly within the first 10 hours and not really be able to come back from that if you don't know what you're doing. And then yeah, there's a, I thought there's a point where I restarted at that at one of the earliest missions. I think it's the first yeah. mission where you have to collect one of the seeds. Yes, and that's the, the way one. it was designed that they triggered. You sort of had to explore a map and there was four or five enemy squads there and you had to sort of work your way through them trying to find the seeds. And the way it was randomized and the way I triggered those those events meant that mm -hmm. I basically had all of the squads coming in on me and then new ones spawning in on me. And my guys didn't have the right. hardware to do it. They didn't have the armor or the health. And I got absolutely wiped out. And, and this this was like the fourth mission of the game. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is odd. And so I, I restarted the mission and just triggering the scripting in a different way, I just flew through it, like absolutely breezed through that mission, like no like barely any wounds just like walk through it and so it was it was really like striking to me then that okay we've taken the the sort of shit out of luck element of, of shot percentage out of the game but it feels like i'm still occasionally going to get absolutely ruined by like bad luck in other ways like these it, guys it's are also not right on top of me <laughs> it's also not even necessarily luck but like the way that the game is tutorialized is both really good and really bad and it's really good and like okay i have an idea of like how i'm supposed to play this game but i think it also can give you a little bit of a false sense of security where uh you don't necessarily realize these are the things that can totally fuck me over and one of them is like moving into a spot where two or three enemies are going to attack you at once or hitting the the end game of a uh, of a mission which will trigger like the reinforcement spawning on top of you so if you do that while you're engaged with one or two squads already things can get pretty rough and also just like having two missions in a row when you only have six space marines with big time reinforcements like even if you can handle those reinforcements you're gonna take damage and your wounds might be pretty out of control right from the beginning see that's that's something i didn't have an issue with because i suppose because i came i came at the game from a different a different mindset that 
I, I got that familiarity with Gears Tactics a lot, and I found that when there's a lot of enemies, there's more more opportunities for executions and takedowns that will reward mm. more action points. So, I think I think the game is set up around you building up that momentum of of taking more actions, and that's where you get like half a dozen guys on top of you. It's that's an opportunity. Um, when when they get going, your your little grey knights they are wrecking balls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe maybe the issue with me is I didn't take enough like <clears throat> talents and stuff that increase your stun because I felt like it was pretty rare for me to actually do enough stun damage to an enemy to trigger it like a takedown. And if I was doing that, I was doing it at the expense of laying down AOEs that would do way higher. Like, I feel like AOE damage in this game, the damage potential of it vastly out exceeds what your possible single target damage can be. Like, there's not like a sniper class that's just like you, you're dead. Like, I, I didn't find any way to build a, a, a knight that way. Yeah, I I also I feel like this is this is one of those things where there is like this weird little spike at mission four or five that if you if you've got the game clicking or if you do a full restart like I did, then it's not a huge bother. But just sort of the way that it's kind of set up is pretty easy to find yourself in the wrong place in a way that uh I'm not even sure is actually common if, if you're playing the game in like somewhat outside uh you know the i've played xcom let's give this a shot kind of idea i don't know it's it's a minor it's a minor thing overall given how most of the rest of the game works but it is like you know one of the things that you will see in your first uh in your first like three or four hours, if you're going to see it and then you're going to go on Twitter and complain about it or go into the 3MA Discord <laughs> and say that this game is horribly, horribly designed so that people who would otherwise really love it uh, say, oh, I, I heard you guys complaining about this. <laughs> Can we talk about, <clears throat> we've just sort of touched briefly on this about tutorials and not knowing the right upgrade paths and, and things like that, not knowing how to correctly sort of build your classes of knights. I really struggled through almost the entire game. I'm somebody who's played every XCOM game to death. So like mechanic in terms of systems and an and overall design, I knew how to approach parts of this game perfectly. Um, I've played Gears Tactics. I knew how to sort of adapt to that aggressive melee first, run headfirst into combat sort of, approach as well what i really struggled with was the depths to which it sort of immersed itself in 40k law and terminology um i'm someone who is sort of casually across like casually into 40k in so much as you know i painted some models when i was a kid I, i've played a bunch of the games i know the sort of i like to think i know the basics of the universe but Every time I went to go and upgrade the ship or go into my classes of, of knights and look at the names they were giving for effects and weapons and all that kind of stuff, I was absolutely daunted by the amount of terminology they were using that didn't immediately make sense to me what that was going to translate to with an in-game effect. Um, 
they'd just be dropping all these like very serious Warhammer 40k words on me. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I don't know what that means in terms of numbers for this game. Does that mean I get to like heal two points extra? Does that mean my ship now goes faster? Like I'm, I'm not sure. Am I like, am I alone in this? <laughs> or do you guys just know more about I mean, 40k than me? I've run the, the fantasy flight, uh, death watch role-playing game multiple times and read the entire gear chapter on from that so none of this was new to me but i'm probably not the average <laughs> the average uh tactics player uh when it comes to that i probably have an unhealthy level of familiarity with the hardware of the 40k universe like i found myself almost I, guessing when it came to the i forget the name what are the the cards that you get that you like your special power cards that you unlock through research oh the, the um, strategiums yes we'll see even that i kind of remember what it's called it's, <laughs> the, the it's, it's like those. strategy but it's latin yeah everything's latin in the yes. grim darkness of yeah, the well, maybe that's future. my other problem yeah um i i found myself almost just randomly clicking my way through those because i was like i don't know what these words mean like I cause I could have gone and, and Googled them, but I'd, like it just was overwhelming to me um, for, for much of the game until I started sort of being able to say, okay, that's what that means. Cause I've seen its effect now in terms of me trying to appraise things before I've committed to researching them or building them or equipping them. I just found it really like the, the depths to which they went into the law without taking the step back to sort of give little tool tips or explainers on what that meant in English, <laughs> I thought was really daunting. It's it's called High Gothic, actually. <laughs> um, no, I I think I'm roughly with you, Luke, in terms of not having that much 40k knowledge, except for you know whatever video games I've happened to randomly play. Uh, the difference is, I I don't really blame the the 40k ness of it. I just think there maybe could have been a little bit more. A little bit more interface help. If I look at like the the Space Marine upgrade uh, screen, there are like four main paths and then four extra kind of yep. uh, more niche paths. None of those are named or listed or yep. anything. And they, you have and they, to like they your mouse around and try to read the yeah. very small yeah. And they reuse and icons for, for different powers. Yeah. And so you think you're yeah. you think you're upgrading the same thing, but you're not. And yeah. The the yeah, UI then, for leveling up is terrible. Uh and, and so like yeah. it it's just like if you had taken uh you know a little bit of space in that menu and put a big word that says like um you know explosions and i'm like oh i want to go down the explosions yeah. path then that would have been that would have been instantly a lot <laughs> maybe better. we're just spoiled maybe i was expecting a sort of crusader king's total war style of tooltip where sort of every overly 40k word right. <laughs> would be yellow and i'd hover my mouse over it and say uh this word actually just means like grenade or <laughs> like this this so word you, you both you both just want an orcs tactics game where the oh, it's all yes. Daka and explodey and like everything's just yes. named yeah. no actually yeah. when you said that i was thinking um amplitude style where they have the different colors for each different type of thing yeah. in their games yeah. Like if you had just like set anything grenade as purple, yep. uh, anything like that increases damage as yellow, anything that increases health is red. Like this, yeah, this great. Just <laughs> click on the color. I'm happy. You're happy. Let's roll. Um, yeah, and 
yeah, so I think that is that is part of the way the game is kind of difficult at the start. Uh, Casey, how did you feel about that? And what is your your 40k background? Uh, let's see. My 40k background is mostly from video game ap- adaptations. Um, most most of my Warhammer knowledge comes from video games. Uh, ever since I think, gosh. I think Space Hulk back on the Amiga. My friend had a copy of that. Oh wow! That is that is going old school. <laughs> and we had we had uh, Warhammer Dark Omen on on the PlayStation, which is that game was awesome, and it feels like nobody remembers it. But um, no, most most of my most of my Warhammer knowledge comes more casually from the games. So Dawn of War, that sort of thing. Mechanicus, yeah. of course. Oh, I've heard good things about that. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. <laughs> what what is it? War, me- mechanic? What? Oh. Yeah, Warhammer um, 40k Mechanicus. Um <laughs> and I I could I could go on about that uh quite a lot, especially considering what what it does interesting is slightly similar to what Chaos Gate does interestingly in that the the moment to moment combat of Mechanicus is geared around you don't have action points, you have cognition points, and you have a shared bar of cognition points between all of your, your little tech priests. And you can take actions and you can collect cognition points in, in the uh in the little combat arenas and get more of them back from defeating enemies. So it's interesting in that sense that you can you can keep taking more actions if you have enough cognition points to, to do them. You can have your tech priests, they can be going all the way across the map on, on a single turn. And it makes you feel when 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 you when you get when you get into the it, when you get into the rhythm of the game, it makes you feel very, very clever, like you're doing something that the game doesn't really intend, but it totally does, if you know what I mean. It's like finding a really broken build in something like Slay the Spire or something like that. You feel very clever. And I think that's what what does does it for me. But uh sorry for sorry for the other tangent about mechanics, no. but yes. A lot of my my um I half understand half of the half of the lore. So I kinda kinda get get <laughs> I'll 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 get there in the end, but um I I actually found it probably probably not too not too daunting as someone who's only casual kind of like I'll paint I'll paint some of the some of the minis as well. Um Mechanicus was the game that got me into painting some of the minis in the first place. Um, so I didn't yeah. find Chaos Gate too harsh to get into. I, it would I don't be. Think... Sorry. No, go ahead. I would say it, 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 it feels like a slightly more ac- accessible kind of game for people who probably wouldn't be as into turn-based strategy it feels very very user-friendly as well apart from that upgrade tree 
I I yeah. I kind of have to agree. It does like you have to kind of highlight each little little icon to see exactly what you're getting. And yeah, that could have been a little a little tightened up, a little a little better better um better displayed. The the interface is really it actually struggles in a lot of the the sort of out of game menu areas. It's not to the you know it's not a game breaking you know it's not a game breaker or anything but the, there's a number of instances that like you know the screen that you get where it asks you if you want to do the risky condition yes. oh, yeah. Again. yeah and it's like it's not it's not a yes or no button it's, it's like do you press the button or not press the button to then press a different accept button that's in the bottom right corner of the <laughs> screen and when you're clicking through your ship some areas get their own illustrated image but then other ones are um, like a menu within a different menu but they're not in yeah it's it's not a great example of sort of menu design and and stuff overall i think so not just the upgrade screen i think the whole game is pretty clunky to sort of try and move your way around when you're off on in in <laughs> in missions it's fine but um yeah when you're yeah, not I think- it's surprisingly clunky i i will i will interject and say that the mission rewards screen i have accidentally clicked out of that when i wanted something on yeah, more yeah. than one occasion yep and the and the the one where you talk to the this is the, how bad uh, I the grand grand master. Master. and yeah. you get you select the 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 perks you're going to get but you select them and unselect them and then yeah it's which is very similar to the rewards <laughs> screen at the end it's like oh uh, yeah. this isn't entirely clear how many times i'm supposed to be clicking these it's fine once you get it once you get into it but it could have it could have been a little clearer definitely yeah i was impressed with with like the risky like those those like event pop choose your own adventure event pop-ups how many of them there were though because i'm at like one and a half full playthroughs and i don't think i've seen any repeat um mm, which is those are really nice pretty impressive. they remind me of yeah. ftl a little yeah yeah they're very assassin's creed as well this yeah. is what they reminded me of initially how every mission in assassin's creed has that well you can kill the guy or you can kill the guy by sneaking through these bushes and wearing a costume. Like it's the same. Well, you can just kill all these cultists. Or have you thought about? I doing think you're talking about slightly reading? different things here. Where I think there's the the out of game things where your ship runs into some random shit and you have to figure out what you're gonna do about it. And then there's oh, the, the, do- the, the, like the sorry, yes, okay, no, that makes more sense. That is very FTL. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I yeah. thought that we were talking about what you were talking about, Luke, because those are those are a lot bigger uh, in the actual game. Where yeah. at the when you're at the start of a mission, you're given a choice. Like, do you want to do something a little oh, bit harder to get a okay. bigger reward, uh, get more requisition from the Grey Knights, and this, this, uh, these tend to be like you know, kill eight enemies with melee attacks, and like, oh yeah, I can do that, or um, kill four enemies with grenades. Uh, I don't know. I want to save my grenades, but maybe. Um, or the like don't have a was... knight get knocked out oh those are rough no the one i hated was the one where you have to do it without upgraded war gear because it's like i'm not gonna remember what i had equipped on everyone <laughs> like, i don't want to go in and just equip them all with basic shit and then have to remember what that everybody actually, <laughs> that actually d- does have little ui thing up in the top left so it'll tell oh, yeah. you 
it'll tell you if you have anybody who has upgraded war gear. So yeah, you don't I just accidentally wanted them to... start it. I wanted them to let me like save gear sets because that's the other thing. It's like if if like one of my mm. guys was wounded, and then like okay, I have to stat out a new um, a new uh, vindicator or whatever. It's like I want to remember to put all this stuff back on the other guy when he. There was a lot of juggling of equipment going on that I think could have okay. been handled better. Yeah. I think so I feel like we're falling problem. we're falling into the thing where like we're assuming the default of this game is like something that people like and is good and we're not actually talking <laughs> about the things that are good and we're instead That's talking true. about our weird little nitpicks. So that is we, a three yeah, of me tradition. Of, but <laughs> I mean it's an everyone talking about video games tradition and it's true, true. It's a, a thing that I have to, you know, actively fight in myself so I can notice it. All right. Um, but right. like so when we talk about how the 40k lore might get in the way somewhat, that's not necessarily false, but I think this might be the best game I've ever seen where the 40k lore makes me want to like get in the game more. And that's because the 40k lore in this game is not usually shown as like some mundane thing uh, where, you know, it's just like, here's your here's your guys who drive trucks. Their name is Truck Kiss. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's it this game feels really mythic in the way that it's actually going about like talking about the stuff that's happening you get this inquisitor who comes on your ship and she's like oh my god there's a terrible plague coming and everyone else is like no 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 we have to repair the ship and you know you you go through this thing where it's like clearly there is some kind of horrible plague and she's right the whole time which is a little weird but uh the bigger point is that like this does feel like this is a grand end of the world thing that only this one person and the people she manages to recruit are able to stop in a way that most 40k games don't to me they just sort of feel like yeah there's some works here yeah now there's some bugs okay stop them out now we're done um we're gonna have some bombastic shouting and things but i don't know this one this one has yeah. a graphical yeah. style and the characters uh, and even even at some level, the animations, I think, are surprisingly good in a weirdly 3D cartoony way. But the graphics, especially like when you're, you know, going through a mission and all the Nurgle bloom is there and like uh, the you see like the corners of the screen, like start dripping with plague as the enemies are taking their turns. It, it doesn't feel like it's just like someone rolled a dice and said, okay, Nurgle is the enemy of this random 40 K game. It feels like they actually wanted to make this game that had this whole aesthetic feel of you are the last guardians of humanity fighting against the plague God. And uh, no one will help you. No one. It's it's just your your four little dudes running around, catching on fire. Uh, <laughs> but it it's a really just good job against the universe. I think they do a really good job of. So no, a lot of forty k games, sort of. And I, I I'm going back in time here, but this was a real sort of original sort of knock against the later Dawn of War games. Is that Warhammer forty k sort of conjures this idea that it's a really large scale universe. The, the the battles that you're taking part in 
should have, you know, hundreds of thousands of space marines fighting millions of Tyranid or whatever. And, and so they take, but everything's taking place on this almost unfathomable scale. So every time a video game gives you like 12 guys to fight with, it always feels like a bit of a disappointment. Like it's, oh, this isn't like what the paintings and the the books and the model stuff look like. I was I thought this was going to be some kind of huge conflict. What this does though is like most Space Marine 40K games, they give you a setting and sort of an overall sort of premise for the game and then don't often I haven't played Mechanicus, so you can talk about that later in a sec if you want, Casey. But they, oh well. <laughs> they, they sort of give you this surface level setting and then not much else. And then you fight your way through it and that's it. This originally I was like, oh, it's another one of those games where I'm only going to talk to six people. Like this this feels very small scale. But by flipping that and actually giving it a story, it, was, right. it wasn't too long into the game until I realized this game has a story. And I can't remember the last 40K game I played that had a actual you know sequences of conversations and developing plot points that i'm actually remotely interested in that are developing over the course of hours and hours and hours of of action and so i thought that was really cool i thought that was a great way of actually sort of flipping that where normally there's not enough characters in these games and it sort of robs the game of Mm -hmm. its immersion this actually doubles down on it and uses that sort of character driven space to actually draw us far deeper into a 40k story than than most games can ever hope to manage i think i think what it does really well is it 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 gives you stakes it sets up what exactly is at stake what you have to do and your the characters who are advising you as well they they have their own motivations and their own concerns and this, the storyline being that your your ship has just come out of another horrific campaign. You are you are not equipped to deal with this. You're sending down little strike teams to do what you can with surgical precision, and you know it's not it's not um, it 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 just puts you in this great mindset of you are limping along. And and you have this vast plague across this entire sector to deal with. And character motivations that you might not you might come to question. It, yeah. it just it just really, really it also kind of gets some of the some of the humor of 40k right that I that I love. Because I think a lot of people will take 40k a little too seriously <laughs> and really is, i've never heard that <laughs> <laughs> it is a bombastically funny setting at times and i love some just just i i i i laughed playing some of this game it's it's hilarious yeah. it, it's really well written i think the characters are really well written and complex i actually found out <laughs> after playing it that the story was written by um Aaron Dembski Bowden, who he's written for for my money are probably the best 40k novels. I know there's some really good ones written by other people, and I will probably get uh some people who will who will uh come for my blood for saying that. But like he wrote the Ragnar Black Black Main novels. Uh he wrote Nerd. Uh, the Black Legion. Um yeah, no, he he's like one of the the top tier people. Like if there's like three or four people 
that are like, I'm doing a Warhammer 40k game. I need somebody who really gets Warhammer 40k and like can play to its strengths. He's he's sort of in that upper echelon. Uh, so when I found out it was him, I was like, OK, now it makes sense why this was so well written and why this leaned into the things about 40k and the things about the Grey Knights and like the things about Nurgle that are uh, especially cool. So. I feel like I learned a lot. What did we learn here today? As yeah. a casual observer of, of the universe, <laughs> where in some places this game sort of really did a number on me, the, the way that it managed to sort of delve more personally into some of the the stuff like the politics of, of the Imperium and, and, you know, that sort of stuff. I, like I said, I don't get that from other games normally. Normally it's just, here are your Inquisitors use them in battle because they have these certain effects like battle sector did. Whereas here was like, okay, this is, this is interesting. I'm learning things about 40 K I've never learned because I've never read one of these books before. So I thought that was cool. The voice acting is also really good. Uh, they oh, yeah. got Andy circus is the, the grand master of the order. I have been trying to figure out who the actress for the, the inquisitor Vakir is because she's uh, she... Ishtola from final fantasy 14. Okay. Um, <laughs> where did you pick this up? Because I literally have like Googled it multiple times and nobody else. Uh, somebody in my Final Fantasy XIV guild told me. Uh, so, yeah, her name Robin is... Robin Addison. Yes, Robin Addison, that's it. Um, yeah, she does a fantastic job. Um, that's just such an interesting character. Uh, a lot of the dialogue like between the people on your ship is really good, too. Um, I love how snarky some of it is. <laughs> that that, yeah. that what's that's what nails the tone for me because it's <clears throat> because you know the the whole Imperium everything is so formal everything is so pompous. It's a very high pomp setting, <laughs> and the way the characters will kind of play with that formal language and kind of kind of snark at each other is is really delightful um, she's also yeah. sarah from final fan or from dragon age not final fantasy oh uh, yeah so that that may be one that those of us who have not fully drank the uh final fantasy 14 cool a well well no have you heard about the award-winning mmorpg no i'm gonna get i'm gonna get uh my mic muted for that um I, I can actually do that. <laughs> That's true. You are in control of the Zencaster. But yes. any any authority I have over this episode by being host is ephemeral uh, uh, at this point in time. Um, yeah, Rowan, I know you, you really dug the, the art and you mentioned a little bit how that ties into the ways that, that this portrays 40K, right? But, um, what was what was your overall takeaway on like why you liked the art so much? I mean, it just it just feels smooth. Like the everything about it feels. I don't want to say like higher tech or high, even necessarily higher quality than a lot of what I expect from uh, tactics games or forty um, k games, but more like uh, it just has this targeted approach of 
this slightly heightened, um, slightly cartoonish, but still pretty bombastic and violent uh, 40K method that like it just doesn't deviate from in a really negative way across the entire thing. Um, when you watch like Vakir especially, but any of the animated uh, character movements going on in their cutscenes. It just feels like they've they've hit on this like exact approach of yeah this is goofy but it's also awesome, um, and I I don't know it that that seemed like a thing that a lot of other forty k games uh, lose me at is like this is it's like they're aiming for something that they can't can't quite hit of you know the models being whatever they think the models are supposed to be. Um, there is probably some art word that is on the tip of my brain that I'm not quite, not quite getting at, but yeah, it's, it's just this a little bit heightened beyond what I expected a little bit smoother. The animations tend to be a little faster. Um, as Luke says, the story is really good and the story is not really good in a, Oh, this fits within the lore in a really interesting place or whatever. It could be that. But it's good in that, like, here are the characters developing their rising action and so on. Uh, the, the things that make for actual good stories. I don't remember which 40K game I played recently. Maybe it was Battle Sector um, that just opened with, like, a paragraph of text basically <laughs> saying, you've read this book. This story takes place in the five minutes after so-and-so got killed immediately by the demon horde, which had appeared and then disappeared and then reappeared. And now you're fighting the remnants that reappeared after it had disappeared. And it's like, just tell me I need to go squash some bugs. Um, and this game, you know, tells you, you need to go squash some plague people. And then also like start setting up the little, the little interesting, uh, bickering over authority and um jurisdiction of the the politics behind all this that like as luke said like i kind of get that these are things that happen in 40k but i haven't actually played a game where you know you actually see the inquisitor and the grandmaster or whoever arguing in a way that feels like these are real characters with real motivations doing it um, whereas this game, like, they do explain these things. These do, I don't want to say feel like people because they're still the weird 40K uh, bombast machines, but they don't feel one-dimensional. They feel at least two-and-a-half-dimensional. <laughs> so this is my favorite part of the game, is what you've just talked about, the, the art stuff. I think the physicality of this game is yes. the single coolest thing about it. I think. Mm these guys have massively understood what makes an individual space Marine, like such an interesting thing to represent. And it's not the voice acting. It's not the paint on the shoulders. It's the actual, it's the heaviness and the bulk and the sort of imposing stature of them. And the way that's represented in game with my single favorite thing being that none of these Marines know how to open a door. <laughs> no or don't care do they don't want to they're not interested in opening doors they're only interested in slow motion kicking every single one of them into a thousand pieces um the way you get that those slow-mo little cutscenes when they're throwing a grenade or kicking a door down the way that they 
clamber over the scenery when they're taking a shortcut when you've sent them somewhere the way it zooms in and when they're slicing things legs and arms off and there's blood going everywhere and there's thuds and crashes and the way they bring that animation and color and sounds together to make something just so physical um it's one of the sort of unsung things that that make i know you know to fit the profile of this podcast xcom and gears tactics that's sort of the secret sauce that makes sort of holds those games tactics together is you get that little dopamine hit. You get that little reward for some of the cooler things that you're doing in those missions. And this does that. And then some like it's, it's fine to click, you know, two spaces on a tactics game and see your guy move up and swing a sword, but to like hear the thudding and the clunking of your huge guy, like race across the map and then like slice something's arm off and there's blood squirting and smashing and crashing and stuff. It's like, yeah, they really under these guys really yeah. understood what makes the Space Marine so cool and did a, such a fantastic job of bringing that to life in a genre that you wouldn't otherwise expect it to. This is sort of you know a very distant, top-down tabletop-esque experience until they zoom the camera and you're like, "Holy shit, this is a Space Marine! This is so cool!" Yeah, the sound design in the game is phenomenal, especially oh, yeah. like like um, just just the sound of them thunk thunk thunking along is yep. just it's is joyous and when you're talking about zooming in for the animations when you click on one of your little guys one of your little one of your little gray light gray knights little unit on screen and you click to push over this pillar on somebody and he's clank 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 and then it zooms in and you get the big wow kind of slow-mo and he just boom bashes into this huge pillar and it comes crashing down on 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 um whatever nurgle nurglings and and nurgle marines plague marines plague marines mm-hmm. and ver- various other nurgle spawn crashing everywhere and it's it just mm, it 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 really sucks you into the immediacy of it in a way that maybe some other tactics games don't and i'll I, it so much of the sound design in this game carries it like from the from the 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 sounds of the bullets impacting and it sounds squishy as hell and some of some of the gore when you take take out an enemy it's it's delicious it is it is overwrought pompous bombastic and it is it gets what is fun about the setting and everything. And I want to go back a little where we were talking about um, visuals. There were some people on this game who I think must have had a blast working on some of the environmental designs, even just on mm-hmm. the ship itself. This is a game that really gets 40k and gets how pompous it is. So when you're when you're having just, just your little in your armory, in your barracks where you are, you know, you're customizing your knights, you're change, changing their visuals or changing their loads out. They're surrounded by candles and candles and candles. And like, it's it's absurd, but it's yeah. so 40K. It's like these these guys, they're, they're, they're just, they're ridiculous. They fly around on a giant flying cathedral spaceship. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous, and it get it gets how silly it is, how brilliantly silly it is, and uh, like when when you're talking to Vikir on the ship, and she is in the 
the Ordo Libris, is it? The, yeah. the library, and there's just like there's books and stacks of books. It's not, it's, why, why is why is a, an old library on a spaceship? It's 40k baby. Here you go. There's like candles and just it's it's yeah. just so ridiculous. Like and five I love stories it. of books with like yeah. nothing in between. It's just like here's a here is a wall of books that's basically a castle. No, there is no more efficient way to use this space. Uh, well, yeah. The other thing I love is that you can blow it all up. Like when you you come to like a hive world or it's like an imperial cathedral or something. And like when you're done fighting the battle there, it's just wrecked. Like all the walls are destructible. You can bring down entire buildings. Like it looks like, you know, an atomic bomb got dropped on, you know, whatever area you were fighting. You're like triggering fuel silos to explode and go off. And that like knocks a third yeah. of a building over. And these are these and are supposed to be destroy this a lot of cover. These are supposed to be like the Space Marine Secret Service. Nobody's supposed to know these guys exist outside of the Inquisition. It's like, what happened over there? I don't know. It's probably a weather balloon or something. Um, <laughs> I just love the idea that the, the most secretive chapter of Space Marines, and you're just leaving a path of destruction. Uh, yeah, they're they're every, not subtle. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they're 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 like they're like um forty <laughs> k's men in black. They they are right. psychers who will wipe your memory if you encounter one of them. They're like, <laughs> but they're just so hilariously over the top and obvious. It's <sighs> it's some. It is a it is a game that ha that finds a lot of joy in its setting, and you can tell you can tell the people who made it had an awful lot of fun on on it. And just channeled a lot of that that love yeah. in into the into the design and the visuals and the sound design. It's it's marvelous. I love it. The the destructibility of the environments, I think, is a is also a huge part. It's an easy thing to not notice because it does it so well, I think. Mm. Um like yeah, a grenade went off there, and of course, like all the walls and all the cover is gone. That's that's just how it should work. But no, that we have seen enough tactics games to know that that kind of thing is really difficult to have it seem natural. Um, mm. XCOM and how it dealt with like missed shots, maybe destroying walls and maybe not destroying walls. Uh, what what grenades could actually take out versus what they couldn't like that was actually a pretty big issue with people wondering how that game worked um whereas this game it's like yeah you can blow things up and you're gonna be blowing things up and like every time you spray your guns there's gonna be stuff that just kind of gets hit and maybe taken out and uh it just goes along with the feel that like everything everything in Demon Hunters does feel like it's the way that it's supposed to be. Um, as Luke said, the physicality of it in all of these ways, how how the guns feel uh, feel is even a strange word to use because it's like not a first person shooter. You're not firing the guns in any kind of direct way. You're clicking a button and then somebody does the little uh gun animation that all works together uh luke said the kicking down the doors is funny i had i think oh, I maybe the best 
the best little quirk that I had was I, I triggered a little patrol of plague marines, and the two plague marines from it came out the door at the same level, like the same number of squares. So they both kicked it down at the same time. <laughs> it was so cute and so <laughs> awesome. Is that like um, a meat cute in the 40k universe? Is- I'm not. No, it was it was like a synchronized swimming type of thing. They were okay, they were figure right. skaters. Nice. Uh, yeah, and that this is a thing that I thought there were like very few levels when I played the game the first time. When I played like the first five six missions before I restarted, uh, I thought there were very few like level environments. Uh, because it seemed like everything I was doing was just going to a, another abandoned cathedral type thing. And then all of a sudden I'm getting like completely different things. I'm running through the snow. I'm on a battlefield between ultramarines and something else going I on. I love that one. People are shooting above me. It's like, <laughs> yeah, this is, this has gone into a completely different direction. So um, there's a lot more that could be done if they start making this game into a platform. Uh, like, just its intense focus on Nurgle. Well, what if we turn that into Tyranids or whatever? That would be pretty sweet. Uh, but even within this working this, with the Tyranid expansion, yeah, yeah, that would even really within good. just you are in this one particular sector and you are fighting this one particular enemy or you know class of enemies or whatever uh, the Nurgleites. Uh, it has a bunch of variety, but also within a frame of uh, all being within this same kind of aesthetic and story conceit. Let's bring, bring in the Adeptus Sororitas. Let's get some Sisters of Battle in there. Yes. They like, also work at, for the Inquisition, so why not? As with just about every Warhammer thing, especially when the first one comes out, I get so sick of every single voice being a dude. Um, like when you're on the ship, obviously Vakir talks to you and the the tech priest is, I think, formerly a woman, but it's... She uses she, her pronouns at yes. least. Whatever yeah. she is, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, like this, this was my feeling when I played uh, the first Total Warhammer game was like, there was one unit in that entire game that actually had a woman's voice. And now it's like 40% of the units in uh, the new Total Warhammer have women's voices. Or I don't know if it's 40%, but it's a lot more than one. Um, and like, yeah, this is this is the thing that maybe within this setting you have to try to do, but the rewards are pretty high. Uh, the variety, adding variety just in that one Thing to the thing that you're actually going to hear the most in your ears uh, mm. is cool. So, I, do, yes. I do have to praise Sisters the, of Battles the... soon. Yes, go ahead. Sorry, I do have to praise the voice. the The unit barks, especially, they can be so cheesy and bombastic. And you can you can customize the voice of your units as well, which I really like. You can you can really get in there and kind of give them different personalities based on the voices you choose. So they are all dudes, but they, they can be really polite or they can be completely <laughs> maniacal sounding. And it's like, it's like, I love how, I love how much you can just customize their personalities. You feel like these units really 
really have personalities and i i love it so much they they sound fantastic and i think something that was criticized about the game was like during during the on on the on the ship during the gameplay like there there isn't as many voice lines for the main characters um when you're when you're um, having dialogue with them outside of cutscenes and i kind of think during the during the moment to moment gameplay where you have a lot of different unit barks and you know yes commander that kind of thing i think they focused on what you'd be hearing the most and i i, I really appreciated that a lot yeah, uh, it also feels like they were not afraid to go in and add writing even after the voice actors had recorded, which I think is yeah. an overall benefit to the game, even if it does lead to some weird situations where a character only says one line out of the whole paragraph they're supposedly saying. Um, I yeah. that, isn't that the standard, though? It's always one line out of the paragraph? It, yeah, I don't it know feels more exactly. notable in this one, and I'm not sure. I thought it was a nice workaround. Like, hey, we're obviously not going to be able to get these people to record yeah. like, this dense tome of, of story, but if yeah. we just to, to do one line, it sort of I, leads you in with the voice, and then you can read the rest in the voice. It's a nice I, I compromise think... between fully spoken and all text. It's like, here's a little bit of voice, now you take it. You take over and read the rest. I, 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 I think the reason that it was it always the first line, yeah. Yeah. The, the reason it stands out is that it's not always the first line and uh, that it is like a pretty, pretty bantery or like it's like they're saying one line or one paragraph in response to something that somebody else says. So you have like two characters talking to each other and they're saying like three lines, but the voice actor is only saying one of them. Uh, and it, it like that happens multiple times in a row. It's a little weird in that way. But yeah, it does. It does fit with something like a Skyrim or whatever. Uh, maybe not Skyrim, maybe a little older RPG uh, where, yeah, you get the like the initial the initial thing they said filled filled in with the details. It's just that sometimes it's not the initial one. Um, the customization of the characters is interesting because it's very strong if you want to customize it in the ways the game wants you to customize it, but it's not that strong if you happen to say, want to change the color of your character's armor. Yeah. I did really like how cheesy the, like, just the armor models for the creates are, though. Like, it's just gonna, just gonna put a big gold plate that says Wrath right across my <laughs> chest. Like, that's the, and, you know, when you eventually unlock uh, Purity Seals, which are like kind of the mid game to late game upgrade stuff. Like it actually puts like wax seals with paper on it, sticking off of your gun and stuff, uh, which is really or an cool. entire suit of armor is covered in giant <laughs> embossed Latin. Like, oh like, yeah. Eventually. Like, yeah. Eventually yeah. Like, it's like you Gutenberg press. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's hilarious. Like what a late game character looks like. The one thing we haven't talked about much yet uh, is sort of the campaign map and the flow of the campaign, um, where basically you're you're trying to stop this plague from spreading. Eventually, it becomes like five different strains of the plague, um, and then you know if if they build up on one planet, they can actually infect other planets, or they can even trigger a chaos gate opening. Which, like, if five of those happen. Um, 
you it's game over presumably i've never seen that actually happen um and then the mid game is kind of about going after these individual strains and disabling them which adds kind of like an interesting strategic back and forth um i kind of ended up liking the complexity even when it throws a lot of like warp storms and like eventually there's like enemy battle barges flying around and you have to like upgrade the guns and shields on your ship because you might get into a choose your own adventure space battle. Um, but I felt like it didn't do a good job at the beginning of letting me know what I should care about. Like, I don't think it even introduces the Morbus as a concept until you're like a good 10 missions in or something. And then I was like, okay, so this is, this is the overall strategic objective is, is I need to do this stuff before this happens. Um, and I don't know, Luke, how did you feel about the like campaign map and the overall flow of it? I thought it was one of the areas where in cutting so close to XCOM's cloth, I didn't like the, the whole premise of there's a, there's a, a plague or there's something's rising or overtaking that, you know, you obviously have in XCOM and XCOM has you wonderfully sort of racing over the world, trying to visit all these sites and you can see it growing. I think the way they abstracted it here kind of felt a bit too tacked on. Um, I, I just felt the way that they sort of stripped it all back into star map lines and then dot signifying how far along the the plague infestation had become i don't know i just felt like it, i was i was playing a sort of it didn't have the sort of immediacy and and fit, like like we've just spoken about earlier how so much of the rest of the game is really intimate and character driven and has a great amount of physicality i felt like the actual star map that you moved around on didn't match that i thought it was really sort of simple and abstract and i just didn't really enjoy how simplified it was and just, all right, well, clearly I go to this one because the other two I'm not going to make it to, so I'm going to go to this one instead and just, yeah, it just felt very rote. Casey, I don't know how far along, I, you're still playing on stream yet, right? You yeah, I've been, yet? I've been playing on, on and off stream. Um, I haven't finished yet, but I'm, I'm down one of the Reapers, so very, okay. really far in but i i don't particularly have a problem with the with the star map and i i kind of i kind of it get it gives it gives across the feeling that you you are just one one mm -hmm. ship has been has been requisitioned by the inquisitor and this is all you have you have to make you have to make choices you you are stretched thin you aren't going to make it to this planet in time be careful and i i kind of i kind of like that and we've hit the 3ma hobby horse of uh it's hard uh -huh. to do a good map in space <laughs> mm, yeah like, like, i think, I think uh, there's a very this, the the Battlestar Galactica, um, the Deadlock game Deadlock. from a few years ago. Yeah, I haven't played that one. So it had a very similar sort of campaign style. Like it had a very XCOMish campaign level to it, and it had a, a star map that you moved around almost identically to this one, but it it was slightly more immersive than Green Dots. 
on a map. So it's not perfect, but it sort of was an example sitting there of, hey, you can sort of do this sort of thing slightly better. I mean, the big thing is that the planets in this game don't have any personality. Um, If there was like some level of differentiation beyond this is the one that happens to be in trouble right now, um, that would Hmm. change the way that I I might feel about them. Like Deadlock, uh, you have all the planets' names, which you may know from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, They have, I believe, like certain economic benefits and such that they'll give you, which is in a very XCOM way of like, you know, the U.S. is giving you 50 supply this week or whatever. So you have to protect that one. This uh, this game doesn't have it. It is it is very much in the XCOM mode, but simplified both in terms of like the aesthetics of the map, because it's just uh it's just like a triangle of 12 or 15 circles uh and it's simplified in terms of these planets don't actually mean anything in particular other than uh notes of how far you've let the plague get uh i don't hate it it's doing it's doing what it needs to do but that's that's all it's doing it's doing it's, it's only doing what it needs to do when so much of the rest of the game is sort of doing so much more than it needs to do the, the strategic layer, I think, feels like they directly started with, okay, we know XCOM works. Let's just kind of work that into a 40K feeling. Uh, and just like, okay, now we have we have a research lady. We have a tech guy. Uh, yeah. We have, and <laughs> it was we, actually we have funny how, narrator. how closely the cast on the Baleful Edict directly mirrors like the right. XCOM one cast, more or less. Yeah, yeah, and and this this is not a thing that is bad. It works, as Luke says. Like if you if you go into this game, you'll get the idea. It's like, all right, now I go and research some tech. Now I go and you know fly by ship around to the place that needs it the most, and so on and so on. It just doesn't doesn't jump out in the way that a lot of the tactical stuff has these like moments of really good feeling. Uh, interface or uh, physicality to the animations and the sound design and so on. It's just there is a thing that works as a rapper. Yeah, I guess it's it's interesting because, yeah, like it, it's not unlike XCOM, your economy is not tied at all to what is happening on the galaxy map. Like you mentioned, it's it's just that the missions are going to get harder. Like your average mission is going to get harder if you start failing missions because the plague on that planet will go up and eventually it'll spread to other planets. Um, so it's like the the more you can like get around as quickly as possible and defeat or and finish as many missions as possible, the easier your time is going to be in the future. Um, even though you can't really do everything. And I had another point that was relevant to that as well, um, that I I distracted myself and it, it flew directly out of my brain and into a black well, hole. I, um I have <laughs> I have I have I have a diagnostic cars. Oh yes. Uh the way they let you set up kind of safe areas of space, which is not only a strategic thing because it's it slows down the spread of corruption, 
but also if you're in a region in a mission in a region where you have a prognosticar it slows down the warp surge counter which can be pretty huge i think that was also a really interesting way to integrate the campaign map with the tactical battles Mm. yeah well if you go back to talking about XCOM strategic layer um this is a major issue with that game, especially the first XCOM or the first reboot, um, is that like there were multiple points of potential strategic failure that would lead to tactical failure. Uh, the biggest one is like if you did not have your fighters working in the proper order, you couldn't shoot down the UFOs and eventually would lose your money. And like the fighters are just like almost completely detached from anything else in that game except that you spend some money on them. This game doesn't have things like that. It's really simplified the map to a point where you're probably not hitting any point of singular strategic failure uh, unless you're also failing tactically, um, Mm. which is, that's a really good thing. And the prognosticators or prognosticars, whatever they are, um, the, I don't even know what they're supposed to be. Are they robots? Are they they're, drones? They're psychics. I think they're psychics. psychics. Okay. They're like minority that makes report sense. shit. Yeah. Right. Uh, the prognosticators exist as a way to be like, oh, you weren't necessarily paying attention strategically. Here's a little thing that you can give yourself a little buff to to make sure that you haven't completely failed here, which I think is a really, really clever little thing. So the the simplicity that Luke talks about is not necessarily a bad thing. I just think that there's an aesthetic uh, simplicity that goes along with it that makes it not very exciting to do. Uh, Another thing that the prognosticars do is, you know, your once once permission uh, special abilities, you get an extra one. Right. if you're if you have the prognosticator on this on this system on this planet so it's it's another little it's not a little thing yeah it carries um, over into gameplay which which is also a thing that i've noticed more tactics games doing as like a a little here's your wild card to get out of trouble to make sure that like the difficulty doesn't quite get too bad like triangle strategy did that and did it quite well uh in a way that was like yeah, you can use these things and they're really neat, or you just can completely ignore that they exist and go for like pure tactics without this this weird thing on the outside. And um, yeah, yeah, so it's something. Given that, how uh... much, given how much we've talked about difficulty in tactics games and how it's easy for that to fall apart because they have so many different moving pieces, uh, I feel like this game has overall done a good job of trying to make sure and these trends about trying to make sure that people have like a little um a little backup plan in case the difficulty gets overwhelming is is usually a good trend uh what were you saying casey oh i was just i was just gonna say is uh is something similar that another game that did, did something similar to that these these ones permission bonuses is uh Warhammer 40k Mechanicus have the- <laughs> oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you hear about this one? Should, um, should they I have try once- that one? <laughs> <laughs> they have once per mission uh canticles, which are prayers that your your tech priests can do that can give give different bonuses. And I I kind of feel that is that is where they where they got this this because it, it it works very similar. Um so I I kind of I kind of think that's a that's another aspect where 
if if you like this game, you might want to check out <laughs> <laughs> mechanics. It's it's funny you're talking about the the shared pool of action points, and there there's sort of some of that in in Demon Hunters too, because uh, there there's the the stratagem that gives you more action points, but there's also a character ability on I think the Vindicator, the Justicar, like Justicar, yeah. Where if you warp charge it, it's like I can give up an action point and you get three action points. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I would have some turns where like my main gunner, Psycannon gunner dude, would have like seven action points and would just clean out, just mow down the whole map, especially if you get the like fifty percent chance to reload on every shot uh which is where randomness yeah, does I, really come into to this i game. use the yeah. that that particular um skill i always use that with my interceptor so that the interceptor can go on a rampage get a load of executions and just keep piling up the 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 action points for the rest of the team the rest of the squad just, oh, there they you just go. yeah 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 that's that's always fun so I think Luke, Luke, you and I have finished it. Is that right? No, I haven't. Oh, you haven't. Okay, I'm, no. so I'm the only person who finished it here. I could. I don't know. I don't want to spoil anything. I think the final boss fight is kind of way too long. Um, <laughs> it could have been maybe half as long, and I would have been pretty satisfied with it. Um, but as far as Are you we're, saying we're... that Warhammer got excessively violent at the end, <laughs> it's not even that it's excessively violent. It's just uh, like. It's it's a it's a very long multi-stage fight. I won't say anything else about it. Um okay. and I yeah, it's it's just too long. Um but I have here, enjoyed some of the boss fights that I've that I've encountered. They're they're particularly fun. Oh yeah. The red, the the red the Reaper for the Red strain, I forget what they're each called. That's a really fun fight. Um also the purple, I think the purple one is the one where you, you have to cut off all of his body parts or something. That's also a really fun fight. Um, boss design overall gets a thumbs up for me. But where each of you are in, in the campaign, it sounds like we all kind of have a don't really have a hard time recommending this from <laughs> from my impression. No, I, I highly recommend this. A number of friends have already kind of picked it up because because <laughs> I said I said uh, I said it was good and we're watching my stream saying right I need I need this yeah yeah it it does kind of sell itself uh, Rowan anything you said this is the one to this is the 40k game to to pay attention to if you haven't been paying attention to 40k games is there any particular reason we haven't already gone over why you feel that way no it it just has the feel at a level that um, I think is rare for most games, let alone games that are kind of within this uh, weird franchise where anyone who pays 50 bucks gets to slap 40k on their their game name. Uh, this one actually like feels like it really wants to go all out doing exactly what it's doing. Luke, how far along have you gotten so far? In in my process of recommending it to people, I would maybe be two thirds, judging by what you guys have said about the multiple. Okay. Yeah, yeah, probably two thirds of the way through. And uh, yeah, what what what's your what's your recommendation on this? Well, one? I've moved on from recommending it to people who would 
play tactics games and love Warhammer. That was the easiest, quickest sell. And I'm mm-hmm. now working on people who play. I know a surprisingly large number of people who are into tactics games, but got into them through stuff like Fire Emblem. So they're, you know, they play them on Switch or, or casually on a PC and may not necessarily be into Warhammer or maybe actively horrified by the thought of playing a Warhammer 40k game. Um, I'm trying to work on them now. So saying, look, just ignore that. It's such a good tactics game. That, you know. <laughs> it's worth putting up with the Warhammer stuff that you may otherwise hate. Speaking of that, that is a thing I wanted to mention where it feels shocking to me that this game is PC only because all of the interface stuff feels like it was also made to be good on console. It does. Yeah. Like that level up system we were complaining about feels like it was made for a console or for a controller. Yeah, I've yeah, been playing uh, the game with controller because uh, I, I don't know if you know this. I'm, I'm quite, I'm, I'm ancient. I'm, I'm, a, I'm old. I'm, a, I'm a vintage millennial. Um, uh, my bones hurt and make very loud noises sometimes. And my, my hand, my right hand especially is it, with a lot of mouse, keyboard and mouse kind of games. I can, I can get kind of like I have some kind of re- repetitive strain that gets a little bit. Um, a little bit aggravated so i if there's ever a chance that i get to use a controller i will always go for a controller first and foremost and it has terrific controller support so that is something i straight out of the gate i straight out of the chaos gate aha oh. Oh. Um, nice. straight out of the gate p- p- heaped praise on for because i like i like using a controller because I can use a controller for much longer periods of time than if I was uh, just keyboard and mouse. So it is something that I am surprised they haven't, that is not on console as well, but I guess it's like their first time developer and this is their first game. And I think may- maybe it's maybe it's too much to port to different systems right now. And they're like, let's launch it on PC first and see see how it goes, then maybe release on console. But I think it is something that would be brilliant on console. I agree. I, I would definitely, I, I think... It's, it's accessible really enough as well. Yeah. Um. Well, before we get out of here, uh, Casey, where can people find your uh, your channel and what, what kind of stuff are you doing over there? Uh, it's twitch.tv slash Casey Explosion, all one word. I stream games, the many indie games, kind of some of the more mid-tier stuff. Don't really go for much of the AAA games because they're bad. Not not necessarily <laughs> that they're bad, but they're evil. <laughs> I I kind of I t- kind of take personal stance against um, a lot of the uh, loot boxes and things like that. So if games have that kind of monetization i don't play them and that kind of that kind of rules out a lot of triple a games lately but uh no i play a lot of a lot of different games so uh some sometimes i will like tonight i was playing hard space shipbreaker which is just out of early access and that's a lot of fun if you want to very very delicately take apart spaceships and then accidentally hit a fuel line with your stinger and it explodes and everything goes oh jesus christ everything cascading failure it's blowing up um it's a very calm game with punctuated by moments of 
sheer terror. Yeah, I would yeah. say for for sure if you if you're looking for like overlooked Indian mid tier games, uh, Casey's stream and also her Steam curator page are great places to go for that. Thanks. I know I have made extensive use of your recommendations in the past. Oh, what um, did you pick up out of curiosity? Um, I know the the big one last year was Mundon, which is oh, I love this, that game. Yeah, it's like this kind of lo-fi surreal indie horror game, and I'm I'm into that that kind of stuff a lot. So I'm I'm really um, glad to hear yeah. that because I think yeah. I think a lot of people just did not. It went under their radar, and that's an oh, amazing yeah. game. Yeah, it's like it's kind of the opposite of Demon Hunters in that I don't think it sells itself that well if you just like look at screenshots of it or or video of it, but uh it's worth it's worth digging into. Um Luke, anything you've written recently that you want to plug? No, they're all bad blogs. Okay. Blogs. <laughs> well, I I uh, <laughs> I, uh, I wrote about this game on the site mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago and yeah. I'll hopefully be writing about old world later this week, which I've revisited after being away for two years now that it's out on steam and I'm massively impressed with it. So yeah, I'll be writing about that hopefully on Thursday or Friday. So you can check that on that out on kataku.com. Fantastic. Uh, Rowan, what's going on in your world this week? Uh, you can listen to me on total cash the heist movie podcast hosted by yours truly from the ashes of uh, Total Massacre, the action movie podcast hosted by yours truly. That uh, is actually just the same podcast and I wanted to do some different movies. Uh, we did uh, Ocean's Eleven and Fantastic Mr. Fox and we're doing Mission Impossible 1 soon. That's on Twitter at Total underscore mass underscore pod. Uh, I also tweeted a bunch on my Twitter at Rowan Kaiser. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, other than being on this show, I just reviewed Vampire Survivors or not Vampire Survivors, V Rising. Uh, Vampire Survivors is also good, though, uh, which is like Wait, Diablo. Those are different games. Yeah, well, this one is like it's it's like an ARPG, but it also has and they're both cra- and they're both the ones that are elements. made by they're the ones that are made by Paradox after uh, they got the rights to Vampire the Masquerade, right? All right, perfect. Lots of vampire <laughs> stuff out there, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Say, it's it's all the same thing. It's just one vampire game being viewed through many facets of uh, you know, uh, our our perception of the universe. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can uh, head over to the forums and see what's going on over there at idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. We're also supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash 3MA, where we might might have something to announce that we might be reworking our Patreon tiers in the near future. also, Twitter, we're at 3MA. If you want to go yell at us on Twitter, I have the Twitter password now, so you might actually get a reply. I think like Troy, <laughs> Troy and Rob had it and like we're not actively looking at it. Um, so now I can take assume direct control of the 3MA Twitter uh, and and uh, reply to your queries over there. Um, I think that is going to do it, though, for tonight. Uh, So for Rowan and for Luke and for Casey, this is Len saying goodnight.